0: Everybody and welcome back to the Kelly Green Hour. I'm your host, LJ Harrell, and joining me, as always, is Connor. Connor, before we get started, I wanted to wish you a belated happy first, happy Father's Day, as it's been a couple of weeks since we recorded, and also for all of our listeners in America, Happy Independence Day, as it is the Fourth of July. So, Connor, how was how was your first Father's Day with uh, oh, your with your son?
1: It was awesome. It was great. Every day is always great with him. So that then Father's Day is, to me is just another day, but a reason to be celebrated, I suppose. And to <laughs> anyone listening in Canada, we should wish a happy belated Canada Day as well.
0: Yes. Sorry. Thank you. Happy Canada <laughs> Day. Happy Independence Day. Happy. It's a happy something day every day <laughs> um, when there's, where there's all these international days, uh, international, whether it's an international or what, like cookie day. Who knows? Who knows? But uh, we just want to wish everybody uh, that's listening to us uh, health going forward. Um, also, please, if you're listening to us, uh, follow us on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. You can follow Connor on Twitter at Connor Ten, and follow me on Twitter at LJ 54. And as always, rate and review the show wherever you are listening to us. So, Connor, it has been a couple of weeks since since we recorded, um, and a couple, you know, nothing. Major has happened, per se, but there are some things with the Philadelphia Eagles that we do want to discuss, but the the thing that I think is at the top of our list is Chris Sims, and what do I mean by this? Chris Sims put out his top 40 quarterback list, so the top 40 quarterbacks in the NFL, and you know at the top of the list, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen at number two, um, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, which... I love Deshaun Watson. I think four might be a tad bit high for him right now. Russell Wilson at five, Lamar Jackson at six, Kyler Murray at seven, Matt Stafford at eight, Dak Prescott nine, and Tom Brady at 10. That's the top 10. But as we go through this list, there's obviously one name that we're looking for as Philadelphia Eagles fans. Maybe two names if you want to see where Carson Wentz is, but we're looking for Jalen Hurts. So, you know, going through the top 15, don't see him. Okay, that's not a surprise. Going through the top 20, you see Carson Wentz at 18. He's about middle of the road for a starting quarterback after last year. We anticipate he's going to be better this year. Um, Last year, he played as one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL, as much of a fan as as I am of Carson. I mean, that's the reality. He wasn't good last year. But you still don't see Jalen Hurts in the top 20. So you go to the top 25. Jimmy Garoppolo, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Taysom Hill, and Jameis Winston. Still no Jalen Hurts. So let's go to the top 30. Daniel Jones. Zach Wilson, a rookie, Trevor Lawrence, the number one overall pick. The fact that Zach Wilson is ahead of Trevor Lawrence is a little iffy to me. Andy Dalton, Mac Jones. What names don't I, what name don't I see? Jalen Hurts. Well, let's go to the top 35. Maybe. Maybe we'll get him in the top 35. Uh let's see. Jared Goff. Hmm. Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke, Tua Tonga Vailoa is who I like. Um, I don't know. I I don't know if he's going to be better than Jalen Hurts, but I I, I am a big Tua fan and Tyrod Taylor. Hmm? All right, so that's the top thirty-five. Let's get top forty. He has to be in the top forty, right? Thirty-six, Marcus Mariota. Thirty-seven, Kellen Mond. Thirty-eight, Trey Lance. Thirty-nine, Justin Fields. And number 40, this is where Jalen has to be at number 40, right? Case Keenum. Whatever Chris Sims is smoking, I want some of it because that's an atrocious list. The fact that Jalen Hurts, who last year, okay, he played four games. He had two, all right, he had one really good game against the Saints. Uh, He was all right, you know, in another one, two mediocre games. Um, And, you know, a mediocre game. And then that week 17 game against Washington, um, while he had two rushing touchdowns, he underthrew a couple of receivers. He wasn't great. But come on now. There is no way Jalen Hurts is not at least a top 25, top 30 quarterback in the National Football League right now. The fact that he that Chris Sims has Case Keenum, Kellen Mond, Tyrod, like some of these quarterbacks ahead of Jalen Hurts makes zero sense to me it is mind boggling what chris sims put into this list it, it, it's like he never has never watched football in his life and this guy used to play in the nfl
1: yeah the, the list is definitely i was lost i was confused going through i was even more lost by the fact that he put in his initial rookie quarterback rankings mac jones is the number 1 quarterback yet he's the third on this list, and then you have the Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence flip-flop, and there's just so much about this list, like Chris Sims, like, I, I get the Mac Jones thing when that, that came out, and people were talking about the Mac Jones being number one on his list, They he kind of said, you know, the accuracy is a big thing in the NFL, mobility is important, but he thought that Mac Jones had done enough from an accuracy standpoint to stand out above the rest of the pack and some other things, which is fine. Um, we all scale players different. We all look for different things and and have different expectations for what's going to translate to the NFL level. But then you look at it and the amount of backup quarterbacks that make the list. With all due respect, if you want to put him at 32 I'd actually be fine with that. I mean, I do I disagree? 100%, but he should at least be in the top, mm-hmm. you know, starters. You should be mm-hmm. there. Like, Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston in the top 32 side by side. Only one of them is really going to play this year. Well, Taysom Hill, if he isn't the starter, you know, he'll get his his reps and as tight end and and uh, quarterback and wide receiver and running back. You know, he'll play his, his plethora of positions if Winston starts. But, like... To me, it just, I just can't, I, I can't understand it. I look through it and the top tens fine. You can debate the positions of some of them, especially with the Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Watson sit- situations. And is it like, is this a list for just this year? Or is it a list for going forward? But no matter what, I think that at least in the top 35, you have to have all 32 starting quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. I just don't think there's any way you can argue against that like i don't know i i mean I, i'm not angry because chris sims reputation it's good but it's it's questionable and some people have just completely decided to uh, mute him on twitter and ignore all his lists because they they can't make ends meet just like we're having a hard time making ends meet um but this is just you know, Lane Johnson kind of spoke to it a, a, a few days ago uh, when he had a media appearance and he kind of said, you know what, we, we like this, that our expectations are low because we don't have to live up to some of the expectations we've had to live up to in prior years. And the, this list and the next list that we're going to talk about where another eagle kind of got screwed over mm-hmm. are just proof that expectations on the eagles have gone to below like bare minimal expectations and then you look at pff ranking us as a 29th roster i think and yeah i wanted to
0: talk about touch upon that later on. yeah like
1: all these lists have just have our expectations almost at zero which is to an extent fine with me but to an extent almost overly disrespectful
0: yeah it really is and i'm gonna stick with the quarterback list for now but like just looking at some of the names and 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 you know Chris Sims had, had come out and said that he wanted to see better accuracy from Jalen Hurts. That's obvious. That's an obvious thing we want to. But and, and you know you want, you you haven't seen much of a a body of work because he only started four games. But then you you look at you have all look okay. We we think Trevor Lawrence is going to be good. Um, we think Zach Wilson. I I I'm still iffy on Zach Wilson. I I wasn't a big big I wasn't hyped up on the Zach Wilson train as a lot of people were. Um, I was on the Mac Mac Jones train. We'll see. We'll see what what he can do there. Um, uh, you know, with the with the Patriots. But like, if, if you haven't seen that body of work from Jalen Hurts, how can you put a Kellen Mond, who is what a third round pick, um, who's going to back up uh, Kirk Cousins in, in in the in in the NFL? How, how is he ahead of Jalen Hurts? And was and was Kirk Cousins even on the? Oh yeah, he was, he was he was sixteen. So like. You're right. When when you see quarterbacks from multiple teams on the list, it just doesn't make sense. You have two Vikings, two Patriots, two Saints, two Niners, um, you know, two Bears. It makes two, two um, Bengals, because I think Case Keenum is now a Bengal, two Broncos, or is Case Keenum a Brown? Whatever, wherever Case Keenum is. It, it just doesn't make sense. Um, Tyrod Taylor is with the Texans and Deshaun Watson's on the, like how you don't have the, at least like you mentioned, the 32 starting quarterbacks, at least on the list, like no Eagle quarterbacks are on this list. It, it, Jalen hurts is not a bad quarterback. And, and maybe it's because, look, we don't know what the, t- we really don't know what type of offense the Eagles are going to run. We could kind of think, okay, maybe it's going to be similar to the Colts offense. um, But who knows? Because we we've heard Sirianni say that he's going to build the offense around the strengths of his players, but we've heard that before. And then coaches kind of get set in their ways and don't change it up. So obviously training camp is going to be a big key for us. Um, You know, preseason games are definitely going to be key for us. So, I, I mean, as intrigued as I am, I'm just mind-blown that Sims could could not see, like, the foresight that, look, Jalen Hurts, yes, he did he struggle some last year? Yeah, but he had good games. That Saints defense didn't give up on 100-yard rusher in, like, 50-something games, and the Eagles had two. They had Jalen Hurts, and they had the the running back that we're going to talk about in a little bit, and Miles Sanders, who, who had over 100 yards in that big touchdown run of, of – I think 75 yards. So it's just mind boggling that, you know, these so-called experts don't kind of look at the foresight. Like you can see that the potential is there and they don't want to give them that opportunity to showcase that potential.
1: Yeah. And I mean, when he, he speaks to body of work, like there shouldn't be a rookie on this list. Then if we're talking about body of work at the NFL level, then you can't, conceivably put anybody even if they played one nfl game that is more that you can draw a conclusion on than you can for zach wilson trevor lawrence mac jones trey lance you can't draw any type of nfl type conclusion out of that and like you said at least have the foresight to notice like i understand why you would put jimmy g and trey lance on the list close Because Trey Lance will take over for Jimmy G at some point this season. I get why Andy Dalton and Justin Fields are on the list and close. Because Justin Fields is taking the job from Andy Dalton at some point this season. Same with Mac Jones and Cam Newton. I can fully comprehend why you want that secondary option there. Because that secondary option is either going to start from week one or take over sometime next year to become the starting quarterback for that team. So I can respect why... In some instances, you have multiple quarterbacks for teams appearing. But draw me a path for Case Keenum taking over from Baker Mayfield because it is the brands that they're on. So draw me a path where Kellen Mond takes over for Kirk Cousins in the next year, even two years. It's just not going to happen in e- almost either of those instances. The only way is injury, and that we can't call that a fair foresight if you're talking about if you're bringing injuries into play because injuries can happen to anybody, anytime, and it just doesn't count as a good foresight or, or predictability, measurability. So for me, I'm just. I'm just done with Chris Sims and the list that he brings. Listen, <laughs> I can respect that there's some unique takes out there. Like, I know that there's going to be people who argue forever with a guy like Mel Kuyper. But Mel Kuyper, he's, he's, I respect the hell out of him over Chris Sims because he's been doing it forever and a day. And that man knows what he's talking about. And some <clears throat> of them he misses on, some of them he hits on. But that he happens, you know.
0: That that's Mel Kuyper d- misses a lot.
1: He does, but like, I mean, you look when you're scouting, you're looking at specific aspects of the game and what might translate. And some, like I said, everybody has a different opinion of what translates, but this is not a list of what skills are translated. This is simply a list of the top 40 quarterbacks in the NFL right now. And the fact that you can sit there and say a guy who who literally, I mean, Carson Wentz was leaving town anyways, but he was the straw that helped break the camel's back to get Carson Wentz out of town. If we didn't have a reliable second quarterback, Carson Wentz would probably still be an eagle right now. And he was able to help in getting Carson Wentz out of town respectfully. He was a respectful one in the instance to get Carson Wentz out of town. And yet he can't be on that list. It just makes no sense to me.
0: Yeah, it makes, it makes zero sense. And you mentioned like the Case Keenum thing. Like his body of work back in 2016 or 2017, you know, sure. When, when the Vikings had the best defense in the NFL, obviously, until the Eagles roasted them in the NFC championship game. Um, like he, he didn't have to do much that year. He just did, had to not turn the ball over. Um, and, and there's a reason they went out and, and replaced him because, you know, he wasn't a good quarterback. He hasn't been a good quarterback the last two, three years. So it, his list makes zero sense to me. Um, the next list we want to discuss is the running back list by Maurice Jones Drew. Now we know that the Philadelphia Eagles um, underutilized the Miles Sanders the last, he's been here about two, three years. So since he's been an Eagle, he's pretty much been under underutilized, you know, but last year he averaged over five yards to carry the only running back in the NFL with what three rushes of over 75 yards of 75 yards or more. I think um, last year, like, he is a big play waiting to happen. But you know, so as Eagles fans, maybe, you know, maybe we would overrate him. Maybe we would put him in the top ten. But I think a fair ranking for Miles Sanders would at least be top fifteen. A top fifteen running back in the NFL, you would think. Connor, do you kind of agree with that? Top fifteen ish, unbiasedly? Mm, he, yeah, he'd
1: be he'd be close, like when you look at the way that MJD breaks down his list. I mean, it's it's debatable, mm-hmm. but I mean the it, at the very least the opportunity's there, and he has you know a really nice body of work that you can go with, yeah. and that you can understand in the games where he was given 15 and 20 carries. Yeah, he was one of those guys who he usually needed a big run. And, like, a 75-yard run, like you said, but it was exemplified by, like, the five or six carries before that that equated to no more than 10 yards altogether. I get that, and I understand that. But the body works there. The opportunity's yeah, and, there.
0: And you have to think about, like, the, the offensive line that he had to run behind the last couple of years was just mangled. The Eagles had 14 starting combinations in 16 games last year. You would think that this year, with a coach that's probably going to rely heavily on the run game, and an offensive line that should presumably be healthy with Lane Johnson, Brandon Brooks, Jason Kelsey, um, Isaac Sayamalu, and we're going to say uh, Jordan Maialata, Like from right to left. The line, if they stay healthy, they're going to open up holes for Miles Sanders. But let's, let's go through this list quickly. Derrick Henry, number one, not a shocker, over 2,000 yards rushing. That Tennessee deep offense with Derrick Henry, Julio Jones, and A.J. Brown. Is going to be de- they're going to be good if, if Ryan Tannehill could continue with what he's done since he's been in Tennessee. That offense is going to be really good. Christian McCaffrey, can he be healthy? Obviously, that's the big question. He, he's he's good. Calvin Cal- Kamara, remember that game in, on Christmas, but he had like six six or seven touchdowns. Um, he's going to be relied upon heavily since Drew Brees retired. Dalvin Cook at number four had a really good year, over 1500 yards. Russian Nick Chubb at number five. That's a. I, I have no issues with that top five. Um, going to the next five: Zeke Elliott, Saquon Barkley, Aaron Jones, Joe Mixon, and Josh Jacobs. Jacobs may be up a little high. I think Aaron Jones may be a little low. He could probably be, a, be ahead of, of a of a Barkley or or Zeke, maybe. But um, obviously that'll depend on Aaron Rodgers, which you know I think he'll be back um with with Green Bay, so so that'll help. So that top 10, besides maybe Josh Jacobs, who I think might be a little high, do you have any issues with the top 10 of um, Maurice Jones-Drew's uh, running back rankings so far?
1: so far no i mean like mixing the potentials there and stuff just the injuries are of concern and stuff But i mean everything you're hearing from the beat reporters is that he's gonna be getting all the work he's gonna be getting that zeke elliott workload he's gonna be getting that Chris mccaffrey type workload so i mean that's fine josh jacobs i agree with you i think when you read his explanation I, I think Kenyon Drake joining in on the fun impacts a lot more than than he Maurice Jones-Drew gives it, because Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake ranked one and two in red zone work last season, and I think that well something's got to give when you have the one and two at, in a specific category together on the same team. So, I mean, I think Josh Jacobs will be and Joe Mixon would be the ones who I think might be a little high, especially when you continue down the list and a couple of the people who are coming up after.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So as we're, as we're going on further in this list, the next on the list is Jonathan Taylor, who, as a rookie last year, came on strong towards the end of the year. I was big on Taylor. He was my, you know, I, I drafted Taylor and the next person on the list, J.K. Dobbins, with the potential of possibly keep, for one of my keeper leagues, with the potential of possibly keeping one of them. And now I have to decide the, between the two, which is tough, if you ask me. But especially with the 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 threesome that, that the Colts have. But we know they're going to run the football. And Carson Wentz, new best friend, is going to be Jonathan Taylor. Uh, J.K. Dobbins. David Montgomery, I think, might be a tad bit high. Cam Akers, 14's not bad. And Austin Eckler, he actually might be a little low. He he probably could be ahead. If he could stay healthy, he'd be ahead of Josh Jacobs. Um, but there's your top 15 still. You no know, Miles Sanders. So let's get to the... Right, and then we'll go Najee. Najee Harris, a rookie at number sixteen. So there's your top sixteen. You know, there's the top half of the league. Najee, he was very, very good at Alabama. We think the potential is there for him to be good with Pittsburgh, but you know who knows? It's just a lot of a lot of questions. So at number seventeen, Clyde Ed- Clyde edwards hilaire He started off really good, kind of had had a couple injuries down the line, but he he has a chance to be really good in that Chiefs offense. James Robinson at number 18 and, you know, them selecting Travis Etienne in the first round with their second first round pick for the Jaguars was a question because James Robinson was good as an undrafted rookie free agent for them. Chris Carson at 19 and Antonio Gibson at 20. So we we're went we're through that top 20 now. Any issues with that? Do you think maybe Miles Sanders should potentially be there? I mean, I, I, I see Miles Sanders at worst as a top 20 running back in the NFL.
1: Yeah, I I could see him fitting in there, you know, like, I mean, the James Robinson thing, like, yeah, we got Kenneth Gainwell, but you can't compare Kenneth Gainwell in the fifth round to Travis Etienne in the first round. The investment is there in a guy like Travis Etienne to say... Well, he's gonna see work. He's gonna clearly take away from James Robinson, who had like an eighty percent opportunity share, or something like he had eighty percent or a little over eighty percent of the work out of the Jacksonville Jaguars back backfield, which was astronomical compared to any other backfield. And then like Chris Carson, I mean, you gotta you gotta continue to question the health there when he's in. He's uh, he's extremely effective and stuff, but otherwise, like it's just it's being healthy the fact that you're probably not going to see 16 games out of chris carson i like antonio gibson i think he's pretty good i think some things are being blown out of proportion this offseason into how much more work he's gonna get in that backfield because i actually think that they'll be able can pass the ball a little more and stuff but i mean i like antonio gibson the skill sets there i think Gibson's skill set is kind of similar to um miles sanders actually um And Clyde Edwards, I'm fine with Najee Harris. I'm fine with the workloads there. He's an absolute monster. I get that he's a rookie and you like to see that body of work at the NFL level. But I feel like with Najee Harris, it's the opportunity. And that's what he's looking at. He's looking at the opportunity. There's not very much competition. The competition that that is there has already lost for for the Steelers. Because obviously they wouldn't have won Najee Harris where they went Najee Harris if they had faith in guys like Jalen Samuels or Benny Snell. But clearly, they haven't been very successful, and that led to Najee Harris coming in. So, I mean, there's probably... And then Austin Eckler, I think, should be higher than where where he was, which was 15. I think he should be higher than where he was because, uh, I mean, the LA Chargers haven't really brought in anyone who truly stands out as competition to him. Mm-hmm. And he produces on both sides of it. Like last year, in only 10 games, 116 attempts for 530 yards and then he had 54 receptions for 430 403 yards so i mean he's a really good that dual threat uh back that you want in the nfl right now and then so he can be on the field almost any anytime you want him to be while the people who would be competing with him for opportunity don't have that complementary dual threat skill set so i think eckler probably should be a little bit higher and i think gibson probably should be a little bit higher but maybe I'm valuing the idea of opportunity a little too much compared to what MJD was.
0: Yeah, and when you talked about Naj- Najee Harris, I see him have – he could be similar to Derrick Henry now. I don't know he's going to be Derrick Henry because it, it's tough, but, I, you know, especially in his first year. But Najee has the potential uh, to do that. So let's go to the – all right, Miles Sanders is in top 20. Fine. He's got to be top 25. Number twenty-one, Leonard Fournette. Mm, I don't know if he's if if he's even a legit number one running back anymore. Ronald Jones is there should be their starter, so that's a iffy. Number twenty-two, DeAndre Swift. Mm, they, I I don't know. Like he can't. He's had injury issues as well, and and we'll see if he, he it, what they're gonna be able to do with the new look uh, Lions offense. Number twenty-three, Mike Davis. Sure, he had a. He was good in, you know, playing for Christian McCaffrey last year, but come on now. Number 24, excuse me. Yeah, number 24, Melvin Gordon. He's going to take, you know, since Philip Lindsey left, he's going to take more of the load. They did draft um, Javante Williams, so we'll see, you know, how much better he'll be in his second year with Denver. Number 25, Raheem Mostert. Uh, Injury-plagued year last year. Um, they drafted Trey Sermon. Jeff Wilson's going to be there. Like, is he going to be the guy? Still, no Miles Sanders. I mean, Sanders is better than all five of those running backs, don't you
1: think? Um, For me, the only one I might argue is DeAndre Swift because I do like DeAndre Swift. The injuries are there. But the opportunities there, he's a, he was really, really effective with the the limited touches that he got. That would be the only one. But otherwise, you you, you hit it right there. Leonard Fournette is definitely not the number one. Um, clearly, they don't trust Ronald Jones to be the true number one either. And they know that you need to have two or three backs just in case of injuries and stuff and, you know, complementary skill sets. But Leonard Fournette shouldn't be up there. Mike Davis, he took advantage, obviously, of Christian McCaffrey going down and you know that obviously you're not going to get the Christian McCaffrey workload but you're obviously going to get a decent workload when Christian McCaffrey goes down and you're the one stepping in like 59 receptions for Mike Davis last season but I mean otherwise like 3.9 yards per carry is super underwhelming and you're a running back yes he was a receiving back all like very similar to what Christian McCaffrey was doing because a lot of the targets just Got siphoned into Mike Davis when Christian McCaffrey went down, but 3.9 yards per carry is not good. That's not something that screams top 32 in the NFL. Even to me, that doesn't stand out. That that's what stood out to me as like a because eh, you look at everybody else like Melvin Gordon 4.6, DeAndre Swift 4.6, there's Leonard Fournette 3.8. Then there's Antonio Gibson, 4.7. Raheem Moster was even at five. Like, if you're under four yards per carry, that's not good, especially for a running back, and your job is to be a running back. So the Mike Davis one, it's an uh, purely opportunity there. And I think that people kind of give more weight to look what Mike Davis did with his opportunity versus look what Mike Davis did with Christian McCaffrey, some of Christian McCaffrey's workload. And then Raheem Mostert, like you said, major health issues, super effective when he's on the field, but major, major health issues and red flags um, uh, for Raheem Mostert in San Francisco. And he's, like, going on almost 30 years old. So that's definitely not the age of a, a true running back. And, you know... Kyle Shanahan in the system that he has there he's got Raheem Mostert there Jeff Wilson will be back eventually at some point this season he's got he drafted Trey Sermon he's got lots of mouths to feed and that's always something that should concern you in San Francisco
0: yeah so let's finish this
1: list off 26 Chase Edmonds uh from Arizona they did
0: pick up James Conner this offseason we know Kyler Murray uh will pull will you know on some of those zone reads, we'll pull it and run. And then you have the receivers, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, A.J. Green, Christian Kirk. Um, they drafted – did they draft Rondell Moore? Was that them? I don't remember. They, they drafted yeah. – Yeah, they yeah. drafted Rondell So, like, Moore. The, the, this – and we, we know that um, this offense is one – they would kind of want to be an air raid type of offense. So, interesting that uh, Chase Edmonds is ahead of Miles Sanders. Twenty seven. Finally, Miles Sanders. And this is what Maurice Jones-Drew had to say. Sanders has shown flashes of being a really good player in both the run and pass games over the first two seasons. He was more productive as a runner in 2020, averaging 5.3 yards per carry, but wasn't the pass-catching threat he was in his rookie season. Sanders must show up and have a Saquon Barkley-esque impact on the offense to help alleviate pressure from second-year quarterback Jalen Hurts. I'm looking for more, more consistency here. Is he joking? Like nobody's asking Miles Sanders to be Saquon Barkley, um, you know. We we want him to to j- do his job, and yeah, he didn't have a thousand yards, but he also only played twelve games, had a over a hundred less carries than, well, go Josh Jacobs, but only had a couple hundred less yards. Like, if 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 you give Miles Sanders the amount of carries that say a Josh Jacobs has, and Josh Jacobs finished with. T- 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 1,065 yards on 273 attempts. And Miles had 164 attempts. So that's 109 attempts less and 140 yards. So if you gave Miles Sanders 109 attempts, do you think he could get 140 yards?
1: Easy, easy. Look at the yards per carry. Like, all you have to do is spread. Like, even if you go 200 yards per attempt and times that by 5.3 yards per carry, even if you want to be more conservative and go down to five, because more attempts might bring the yards per carry number down. Mm -hmm. But we know the big playability. We know what's there. But I think what, what stands out about the ranking of Miles Sanders at 27 is who's behind him. Tevin Coleman, yeah. 28, Damian, Damian Harris. Harris, 29, Mark, Mark Ingram, Ingram <laughs> in that mess of a Texans offense and backfield, 30. It's just disrespectful to be down there with those people uh, heading into his third season. And listen, don't get me wrong. Kenneth Gainwell's coming in for a reason. Miles he's Sanders just, I don't think he's going to
0: take much away from Miles
1: Sanders struggled immensely as a receiver last season. There were some ugly drops. There were some times I wanted to throw something at the TV because of Miles Sanders' drops. So I get that, I understand. But Kenneth Gainwell, I don't necessarily believe is a threat any more than just taking receiving work. But, like, 164 attempts, 28 receptions, that's it in 12 games. And you look at some of these other people and the attempts that they got. Like, if Miles Sanders was used at the clip of you know 200 attempts that's a thousand yard rusher without a doubt that's a guy who's probably getting um, 35 40 receptions still nonetheless despite his struggles i just don't i think it's i think that the mjd just overstates the inconsistent point because i think that there's people ahead of miles sanders on this list who were far more inconsistent and to say that he has a Saquon Barkley-esque impact, yes, Miles Sanders will be the focal point of that offense. But is that just to say that Devontae Smith doesn't exist and that he doesn't have a massive burden on his shoulders? Is that not to say that Dallas Goddard doesn't exist and he has a huge burden on his shoulders? There's a lot of guys who have a burden on their shoulder to help alleviate the pressure from Jalen Hurts. And I don't think Miles Sanders is at the top of that list.
0: And And the other thing is, if you look at Last year, the first half of the season last year, you had a quarterback and a coach that weren't talking to each other. A quarterback that was probably checking out of plays um, that were may have were supposed to go to to Jalen, or excuse me, that were supposed to go to Miles Sanders. So, I think with a more cohesive, you know, quarterback co- head coach dynamic, with you know a, a more running back friendly offense, he is going. To explode if he can stay healthy.
1: Definitely, no, I agree with that. Like and and like, during the second half when you saw Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders, were they not the best compliment for each other? Yep. The fact that they were they bounced. Plays off of each other like Jalen Hurts would do an option and get a bunch of yardage, so then they had to keep their eye out for Jalen Hurts. And it was Miles Sanders' turn. Like, I think Miles Sanders and Jalen Hurts complement each other way more than Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones complement each other. I think that Saquon Barkley was drafted as such, and he's so vitally important to that offense. and You saw it last year with the com- almost complete stagnant inability for the New York Giants to do anything. Because they need Saquon Barkley, there was moments without Miles Sanders last season, and we were we did were we great? No, but we weren't great at any point last season, and so like we don't need Miles Sanders as much as they the Giants need Saquon Barkley. But that's not to say that Miles Sanders deserves to be ranked twenty seventh because he brings a certain thing to this offense, like that big playability, like you said, and that uh that opportunity to complement Jalen Hurts and have those two Russian weapons out of the backfield that in like a heavy play action offense or a heavy RPO offense you never know what's going to happen is he going to pass is Jalen Hurts going to option and go rip off 15 yards is he going to hand off to Miles Sanders who's going to rip off 75 yards you never know and that's what that's just that compliment that Miles Sanders brings and I think that he can he should be at least be a top 20 back for That type of importance to Jalen Hurts, but to sit there and say he needs a Saquon Barkley-esque impact on the offense, that seems a bit extreme just trying to grasp at straws to say Miles Sanders needs to do, we know Miles Sanders needs to do more. But we also know Miles Sanders needs to be given the opportunity to do more. And it just feels like MJD did not watch Philadelphia Eagles games last year because Miles Sanders would be given 10 attempts one game, 21 the next game, 12 the next game. Then Mm -hmm. more like the inconsistency in his touches. And we've seen it before. Some guys need that consistency. Leonard Fournette just ahead of him needs that consistency in his touches we saw that he needed 20 touches a game because he blew up for three or four touches but there were a lot of touches that were one yard two yard Mm -hmm. negative yardage and Miles Sanders is is that same way that's part of being a big play waiting to happen is that Miles Sanders needs to get the ball at least give him the ball 15 times a game. At least give him 15 times a game, and then you'll probably see at least three big plays for Miles Sanders and you're easy-getting 100-yard efforts for Miles Sanders almost week in and week out.
0: Uh, 1,000% agree with you. And The one thing you said is it seems like Maurice Jones drew and watch Philadelphia Eagles games. I bet you he didn't. And it can be seen in – you know the, this ranking. He he was he wasn't paying attention to Philadelphia Eagles games. All right, the one other list I wanna I, I do wanted to you kind of touched base on it. I'm not gonna go through the entire thing, but PFF had the Philadelphia Eagles ranked as the 29th ranked roster in the NFL, and this is what they had to say about them. The biggest strength over the past three seasons, Philadelphia's defense trails only the Steelers and team pressure rate at 39.5%, despite ranking just 29th in blitz rate at 20.2%. Thank you, Jim Schwartz. Their defensive line is fully capable of generating pressure on its own, and that shouldn't change this season. Javon Hargrave's addition gave the the Eagles another legitimate pass rushing threat next to Fletcher Cox. Hargrave ranks in the 95th percentile of qualifying interior defenders in pass rush win rate since 2019. Their biggest weakness, the Eagles ranked third in pressure rate as a defense in 2020, but just 21st in average yards allowed per pass play. As you can probably guess, that's because they fielded one of the NFL's worst secondaries. Things aren't looking much better in that regard in 2021 either. Amante Maddox, fresh off a 37.1 coverage grade in 2020, is still the team's number two quarterback behind Darius Slay. Philadelphia will also be relying on starter contributions from either fourth-round rookie Zach McPherson or unproven players such as Craig James or Michael Jaquette. X factor for 2021, size be damned. Devontae Smith couldn't be covered in the SEC or on the game's biggest stage last season at Alabama. He went from averaging a an already impressive three point four 3.5 yards per route run in 2019 alongside three other first round talents to averaging an otherworldly 4.4 yards per route run in 2020. Smith now has the opportunity to elevate the league's lowest graded wide receiver unit since 2018 as a member of the Eagles. PFF projects Philadelphia's first-round pick for 60 receptions this year. Now we've we talked about where you know Hertz was ranked, where Sanders was ranked. We you know the receivers aren't highly thought of. Minus Devontae Smith, the secondary is bad. Minus Darius, uh, you know the corners are terrible. Minus Darius Slay the linebackers are always the Eagles don't prioritize them the best units on this team are the the offensive line and the defensive line beyond that there's a bunch of question marks and even there's question marks at at offensive and defensive line so we're not shocked that the Eagles are ranked 29th you know in when it comes to their roster and but as you had mentioned earlier it now they can be under the radar because if they come out in this 17 game season and they go ten and seven, you know. Nick Sirianni is going to look like a genius coach of the year, and and we're going to be like, wow, our expectations weren't, you know, weren't high, and, and we're going to be in for a great season. It'll be a fun season, you know, f- for us possibly as division winners. But you know, the last cu- after in 2018, after they won the Super Bowl, obviously expectations were high. Carson Wentz was, you know, you know, looked at as to to come back from his injury as, as an MVP candidate, and they and they while they made the playoffs they just couldn't sustain that now that they're under the radar Connor you know maybe they'll be able to stay under the radar all year and then at the end when we get to week 18 we're looking at a team that might be fighting for a playoff berth
1: yeah definitely I mean I I think like you know anything's possible in the NFC least um I do think that there are there are clearly better teams than us. I do think Washington is better than us, mm-hmm. despite their iffy their defense, quarterback definitely. situation. They, they, I just find them better. I think they've been the ones flying under the radar for the last couple years in the way that they've been building. And, um, but you know, I've said that the last couple years in our preseason shows, the Giants are. Man, I think the Giants are there with us. I think people are kind of blowing them up a little bit more than they should be. Because, I mean, like, their offense is decent if Daniel Jones can be good. Their defense can be decent, but there's a fair amount of holes. Um, and, like, Kadarius Toney's no Devontae Smith. I know mm-hmm. that they probably just snagged Kadarius Toney because we traded ahead of them and grabbed Devontae Smith. We already know the anger and rage that is going through the New York fan base for that move. Um, and then Dallas. I mean, Dallas' defense – they didn't do a whole lot. I mean, they they probably improved, but I mean, it didn't take much to improve on what they had last season. They were terrible mm-hmm. on the defensive side of the ball. They need Dak Prescott to come back and to be healthy. Uh, they need that offense to produce 50 points a game because the, uh, the defense is probably going to give up 40 something or so, you know, that they're going to have to produce on that level. So anything can happen in the NFC East for us. It, it could be wide open. I think that the biggest thing is, and as an Eagles fan and as an Eagles contributor and podcaster is keep the expectations low. Don't sit there and expect 10 and seven and be pleasant, pleasantly surprised. If we get there, we don't have a 10 and seven team. We need the help of the division and we need the help of injuries and certain situations happening in our schedule to get us to 10 and seven. I see us as more of a seven and 10, six and 11 team personally, um, but if the NFC least works it's magic for us and if some of the schedule can work it's magic for us, we could be 10 and seven. the The range of outcomes is massive. I've seen people who say we could be one and 16 if we're really, really bad, which is true. or we could be 10 and seven in a playoff team if the the team actually comes out and looks, just the offense looks way better under Nick Sirianni than it did Doug Peterson. If it's not very, if it's not predictable and stuff, if mm-hmm. the defense can step up even just a little bit more than they did last season, we already know that the pressure off, taking some of the pressure off of the front four is huge. If you t- start, if you take away going that wide nine approach that was so, they with that focus on the front four that that uh, Jim Schwartz had. And if we use these players to their capabilities, like John like uh, Gannon says he's going to, and he's going to build the defense around their capabilities, not force a square peg in their uh, a circular you know hole like mm-hmm. the Jim Schwartz defense was, there's potential. <laughs> there definitely is, but expectations are low for a reason. And I think that we have to. You know, maintain that. Don't hype up a 10-7 and season that's only likely if there's a lot of ifs, ands, and buts that go our direction. But That's true. 29th might be a little low, but Mm -hmm. it's helping to keep our expectations low. I don't disagree with a lot of what they stated. The secondary did not get better. Nope. But there's a lot of players who are not used to their strengths and who are not used to their capabilities. One of my favorite Eagles – was Rasul Douglas in the last couple of years was Rasul Douglas. He was not used properly because he is not fast. Mm-hmm. He can be an outside corner if you want, but he needs to use that first five yards and he needs to bully that receiver that he's playing. If not, he's going to get burned. He's going to get beat. We saw it over and over again. Michael Jaquette, very similar, I find, to Rasul Douglas. He's got a bit more speed. He's a bit longer but he needs to be able to use that aggression early on. And if we can see some of those shifts that Jim Schwartz and Doug Peterson didn't want to implement, definitely there, there can be, we can be heading in the right direction. I just think we're two or three years out still.
0: You're right. This is a building year for us because if you look at next year, you have your first-round pick, you have Miami's first-round pick, and the potentially, potentially having the Colts' first-round pick. So this year is to find out, is Jalen Hurts the guy? if Jalen hurts the guy, you don't have to spend one of those first round picks on a quarterback next year, or trade for Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson, or or whatever moves you may want to make, you know, or draft Spencer Rattler, uh, Sam How, or, or somebody like that. If we can prove and you can find out that Jalen hurts is is the right guy for the job, then you go out next year, you you draft whether it's an offensive lineman, whether it's a corner, the top cornerback, whether um, it's a defensive lineman. I'm not even going to mention receiver because it'd be ridiculous to draft the first round receiver in three straight years. But you have the beauty. The beauty will be we have our quarterback set, our offense. You you find out that we know the Devo- we would think that Devontae Smith is is legit is going to be the guy that we think he's going to be. You find out more about Jalen Rager. Um, you know we think Landon Dickerson would replace Jason Kelsey. Um, so you you go out there and you just start putting pieces around Jalen Hurts. And, you know, whether it's on the offensive line, whether it's on the defensive side of the ball and we build that. So next year becomes the year. Now we have to take that big step forward and compete for the division title.
1: Absolutely. Next year, like this is a year you accept seven and 10, you accept six and 11 next year. If all goes well, if we have to draft a quarterback, at least we have the ammo to do it. If we don't have to draft a quarterback, you got bonus ammo to spend elsewhere. You can spend it on a Demarvin Leal, who could come in on as a versatile from Texas A&M, versatile defensive lineman who can play edge or can play inside. Then we're gonna transition into talking about Fletcher Cox here in a minute. Then the Fletcher Cox issue, quote unquote issue or concerns, can be alleviated because you got Milton Williams, you got Demarvin Leal, you got Javon Hargrave for a couple Mm -hmm. more years. Um, you probably will have figured out what you're doing at the edge position with Brandon Graham, Derek Barnett, Josh Sweat. Um, so like this is a year you accept the lower expectations. But next year we have a lot of our questions answered. We have a lot of our we see the bigger picture because there's just so many question marks this year. But you see the bigger picture, you see the ammo that we have, and you say, do we want to trade for a quarterback? We have all this these p we have all these pieces. Do we want to do we want to draft a quarterback? Do we want, where do we need to hit? What do we need to draft? If if we don't need a quarterback, well, look at that golden. You can go for a cornerback in the first round. You can go for a linebacker. You can go for defensive line. You can go for another wide receiver, or build something along the offensive line. But I do believe, and I've said it for much of this offseason, that the offensive line issues are often overstated. They're injury issues. If we can have a healthy offensive line, we have a top 10 offensive line, and that's being generous. I think it's top five if they stay healthy. Mm -hmm. But the big question mark is health, because we saw some of those guys step in. We saw a guy like Jack Driscoll step in, and that was huge. We Mm -hmm. saw a guy like Jordan Mailata step in. That was huge. Nate Herbig. Like Jordan Mailata has created a competition at left tackle, Nate Herbig. We saw these guys step in, but they all got hurt too. Jack Driscoll got hurt. Nate Herbert got hurt or had consisting or got moved around between different guard positions and tackle positions, and couldn't get a consistent base to play, base place to play from. Um, so, I mean, if the injuries can be even minimal, minimal, like if it's one or two guys, that's whatever. That is what it is. You you get through those. But the fact that we fielded what it was 14 different offensive mm-hmm. line combinations last year, that it tells you all you need to know about the offensive line quote-unquote issue that people are talking about it's not an issue it's just health and we just need everybody to stay healthy or the majority to stay healthy and Jordan Mailata to beat out Andre Dillard for the left tackle job
0: yeah and you know if we only had say two injuries this this upcoming year that would be a godsend compared to what we've what we've seen not even just from the offensive line but from just the entire roster since the Super Bowl year, even the Super Bowl year with you know when Wentz and Peters and Hicks and Sproles, you know there were a bunch of injuries. It's, it's just been insane how the team just gets depleted year after year after year. So we're due for one of those injury-free years, hopefully. Um, so let's quickly. We have a couple other things we want to discuss to finish this off. First, we want to talk about the, the uh, future of the tight end position. Dallas Goddard. You know, there's um, reports that. He's working on a big money deal. And then there's also the report of Zach Ertz being traded. Um, You know, Merrill Reese actually was on uh, a show in, I think it was in Buffalo. I'm not 100% sure. You know, and, and he was asked about Zach Ertz and he had mentioned that he, while he doesn't know anything specifically, he wasn't told anything, doesn't have any knowledge, firsthand knowledge of it, but he believes that Zach Ertz could be traded to Buffalo um and if the eagles were able to trade Zach Ertz that would take about 8 million dollars off of the the salary cap which would help them cuz i think they stand at around 4ish right now give or take a couple million um so that that would definitely help the their them when it comes to the the, the salary cap and even signing um Dallas Goddard long term would help cuz it would probably lower his cap this year but um Your thoughts on the, quickly, Connor, your thoughts on the future of the the tight end position. I'm of the belief that they obviously, the Ertz wants out. They want to allow Ertz to go and and, and flourish somewhere else. I don't want to just give him away. Like he fits under the cap right now. And he's somebody, and I've said this before, he's somebody that if he's going to want to get paid next year, he's going to have to play this year. And he's going to have to, you know, produce this year. So if you have a, a Zach Ertz, That is motivated, and if 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 nobody's going to give you what you want, just keep him. And he's got to go out there and play to earn money next year. You might get the one of the you might get a better version of Zach Ertz than we've seen the last year or two.
1: Yeah, for me, it's a matter of if, or it's a matter of when, not if for him getting dealt. I don't think Zach Ertz will be on this roster. I think it's quite clear Zach Ertz is. Even if he doesn't get traded, I have a hard time picturing him stepping on the field for a howie roseman managed philadelphia eagles team going forward i think the damage has been done um it's a matter to me like i said it's a matter of when not if for when he gets dealt um there's a couple you know tight end needy teams i'm sure the colts remain involved mm-hmm. the titans are a name that was talked about um the bills um at the end of the day that eight million dollars is a lot more important than a disgruntled tight end who's losing his job to a guy who's getting big money like Dallas Goddard. The future of the tight end position is Dallas Goddard. I'm happy with the Dallas Goddard-Richard Rodgers combination. Richard Rodgers was extremely effective last season when Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard were both out of the lineup. As a tight end two option, I like Richard Rodgers more than disgruntled Zach Ertz, who just wanted to take advantage of a tight end market and that was one of how his best decisions last offseason was just to not give Zach Ertz that extension that he wanted because it proved we don't need him the future is dallas goddard and we can figure out the tight end two position after that and i like i like rogers a lot i think he's a good tight end too he's not much in of a blocker which is fine because he's only going to be – you just put him out there for the pass catching dams. You put him out there where he just needs to do a little bump by block, get himself open, and that's all you need to do with Richard Rodgers. Um, so, yeah, the future of the tight end position is simple. It's Dallas Goddard.
0: I agree with you there. Um, this If, if you know, Ertz comes back, this is his last year in Philly. Um, but, you know, he probably will be moved. Um, and Howie just doesn't want to give him up for nothing. That's why he won't release him. If he, he wants to try to get something back and if you can spark a mini bidding war between say the Colts and the Bills maybe instead of getting a fifth or a sixth you'll get a fourth or a fifth or you know maybe you'll get a third or a fourth who knows uh, but we'll see we'll see what happens um when that move is inevitably made um and then finally there have been reports of Fletcher cox how, i'm trying to you know Fletcher Cox not putting in the work that he should be towards, you know, as he as he's getting over the age of 30. We know he's a dominant player. He's not Aaron Donald, but but we see, you know, Aaron Donald puts in the work and won has won multiple defensive player of the year awards, gets double, triple teams, still finds way to make plays. And it doesn't seem that Cox puts in that same effort all the time. Now, whenever the Eagles go up against a, a team that ha- whenever they go up against the Rams, Fletcher Cox has a really good game. When they go up against, you know, defense teams that have defensive players that are being talked about as defensive player of the year candidates, Fletcher Cox seems to show up in those games. But then there's other times where he doesn't show up all the time. And that may be an issue inside the Eagles building. Um, and, you know, with his, he, he's the, I'm pretty sure he's the highest paid player on the team, you know, for, for a yearly, um, Average, you know, and if he's not going to put in the work, the Eagles potentially would have to think about, which is unfathomable to believe. But they'd have to think about moving him, and obviously that would help out cap wise. But, you know, he's he's a legendary Eagle. He, he's 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 going to be in the Eagles Hall of Fame. Um, so I personally, obviously, I hope he puts in the the work to show that. Look, he wants to retire as an Eagle, like like a Brent Seleck did, like a Jason Kelsey potentially could. Um, but, yeah, what are your thoughts on that report, Connor?
1: Yeah, I mean, we talked about it a little bit before we came on the air, and I did a little bit of digging um, through, uh, I think it's pro Pro reference or player reference uh, for stats, and the amount of 31-plus-year-old defensive linemen who produce 40 tackles and five sacks, which is about, you know, the Fletcher Cox career average. Mm-hmm. After the age of 31, there's only been five that have done it. So, I mean, I think this is a instance of, you know, we love to keep people at home. You know, we like to keep mm-hmm. out people where they are. We are big fans of the players that we have and we tend to hold on or Howie at least holds on to veterans a little longer than he should. And I think that Fletcher Cox, this could end up being one of those situations. How much longer do you want a middle of the pack, you know, just hole clogger who makes a play every once in a while? I mean, maybe this is a little overblown, but I mean, you don't see the sacks churning out as much as you used to. You don't see the big plays coming out like they used to, like the Super Bowl season and stuff. Um, so and when do you want to transition to a guy like you know Milton Williams Mm -hmm. who can win inside who can use some quickness who can use some athleticism to actually win and wreak havoc in the pocket you like you said it is true he is the highest paid player he's 23 million this year 22 million next year um and then after then he becomes a free agent in 2023 and there's a bunch of void years and a lot of dead money in typical Howie fashion. Um (laughs) so my thing is like so if you release him next season as much as it sucks to think about it, but say you find you found your quarterback of the future, you don't have to draft quarterback. There's a there's some guys up at the top like like I mentioned earlier, DeMarvin Leal, who could come in and really fill a hole, good chance he ends up being a top ten pick. Marvin Leal does next season And you could take him and you could fill that void In the middle of the defensive line with Milton Williams There, Javon Hargrave there You could still have Hassan Ridgway there As a fourth option and stuff Um, If you cut him next year There's significant savings We're talking post-June 1st 17000000 million, pre-June 1st Over $10 million in savings To let Fletcher Cox go Um, I guess for me The big thing is Like when the time comes Where his contract is up You're looking at a guy Who's going to be 32, 33 years old Looking for an extension And really at that point All he's going to be is a hole clogger Who produces periodically for you Think Chris Long, you know A guy who came in Good piece, good rotational piece He did his thing But if you give him like an 80% snap share And you spread his workload out Over an 80% snap share It's not going to look very good It's not going to look Worth you know probably 10-15 million Like Fletcher Cox is probably going to look at uh, Getting in his next contract um, We're paying him a ton of money So mm-hmm. regardless if you are concerned Or you think there's reason to move him I think rightfully so you probably should And I think that the way they started to build Through this draft is a sign that These concerns were present prior to the draft they drafted two defensive tackles in Maryland Tupolito and, and Milton Williams. Um, so I think that the concerns were there. It's within the organization. It exists, and there's a lot of money tied up, and there's a lot of potential money savings there. So it's definitely going to be something to monitor this year. Is he going to come back? Is he going to come to camp healthy? Is he going to come to the regular season and produce? but this is a big year for Fletcher Cox. If he wants to if we want him to stay on the team, if he wants to stay on the team, if he wants to get an extension because there is a benefit to kicking the can down the road with him a bit further if you can give him an extension, but you need to make certain you're not kicking, you know, 25, 30 million down the road to end up really eating it when he's 34 and 35 years old. Um so I mean, long-winded, I think this is a one of those things like the Ertz things where start shedding your tears now because we may be the end may be near yeah
0: and obviously this philadelphia eagles team we're even going back from the last five years isn't going to look the same in the next two to three years probably even the next year we'll see obviously a whole new coaching staff um new quarterback we'll we'll see how things go obviously jason kelsey probably retiring brandon graham down the road like he's getting there um so so we'll see what happens but um I'm just happy we get to talk Philadelphia Eagles football. We are less than a month away from training camp starting. Uh, preseason games gonna be coming up. We get three of them before we are ten weeks away, ten weeks, seventy days away from week one in Atlanta, and I can't wait um, when we get to obviously when we get to training camp preseason, you know we'll we'll be doing more of a on a weekly basis instead of you know, every other week or whenever big news happens of recording and I can't wait Connor. I know you can't wait and it's, it's definitely going to be a fun time and just, just having Eagles football back, um, you know, while the Phillies have one, two in a row, they're still way too inconsistent. Um, So it's going to be good to finally go into a fall where while the Eagles won't aren't supposed to be in contention for a playoff berth, just having them back, the excitement fans at the link, it's going to be a fun time. I can't wait.
1: Yeah, without a doubt, I I'm so excited to get back to the NFL football, the regular season, and college football's just around the corner Yep, college too, great which too. is always exciting. I love college football. And I, now that they uh, don't give me the
0: nil in college football, I want my not to change subjects, but now that the name image likeness and players can make money off of themselves, mm. I wonder if that changes because like a lot of players look. I want to I want to win a championship. I'm going to go to Alabama. Nick Saban's the best coach of all time. I know. Whoever's been to Alabama since Nick Saban has been there has won a t- has won a title. That's that's an amazing to a stat. Like, so I wonder if now that you can make money off yourselves, will boosters, will teams, will will neighboring businesses of 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 some of these of places, you know. I don't want to say you're gonna buy a player, but now you can kind of buy a player, and will that even out? Will that level the playing field across college football?
1: Especially with the idea of a potential 12-team playoff as well. There's so much excitement Which I to look also think is
0: stupid, but that's just me. I think, I,
1: I, I think more meaningful college football games is never necessarily a bad thing. So, I, I, I don't know. I do it's tough think, to say.
0: So, I think going to 12 may water down the regular season just a little bit. Only because now, like, you can lose two games and make the, the a 12-team playoff. Mm -hmm. Alabama and Clemson are always going to be in the the, the college football like they're always in the college football playoff as it is they're never not going to be in the college football playoff as long as um Saban and and Dabo Sweeney are are running their programs like I Mm -hmm. feel I like the four team because you have to win every game you have to win your you, you think you have to win your conference like it makes every game more important and that's something we can obviously discuss down the road
1: Absolutely. But yeah, I'm definitely excited for both football seasons to be back big time. And also make sure as we continue to roll through the uh, Flyers and Sixers off season, plus the Phillies train wreck of a season that's continuing forward and heading towards the Eagles regular season that you follow our partners over at Sports Talk Philly mm-hmm. at Sports Talk PHL on Twitter. Um, and sportstalkphilly.com they got lots of content they got post-game reaction and uh just general articles about all the latest breaking news and everything so make sure to check them out
0: yeah and you can can find your articles over there too right
1: yes absolutely
0: yeah yeah brand yourself man brand yourself
1: (laughs) um so thank
0: you for listening as always follow us on twitter at kelly green hour Uh, You can follow Connor on Twitter at Connor 10, that's Connor T-E-N. And follow me on Twitter at LJHorel54. Please rate and review the show. Thank you for listening to the Kelly Green Hour. Happy Canada Day and happy Independence Day to all. Have a great day.